0: know the Bible says that without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin we're on a study of the tabernacle on Wednesdays and we recognize that you can't approach God dirty and that sin cannot be forgiven without a blood sacrifice so I'm grateful this morning for the Lord Jesus that we have sung about and praise him for it amen take your Bible and join me once again this morning in the book of James we'll be in chapter 4 James chapter 4, and we'll be looking at the end of this chapter from verses 11 to 17. So far in James, the tongue has been compared to a horse's bit, a ship's rudder, a small member that can start a big fire, a world of iniquity, and a world of unrighteousness of wrestling evil, full of deadly poison. I have forgotten to release the kids, haven't I? God bless you kids for being in church this morning. We believe it's a big deal to be in God's house. Give them a good hand. Will you do that? Amen. So according to James the tongue can do a lot of things. And in verse 11 beginning in James chapter 4 you would think that in chapter 4, surely he is finished with addressing the tongue. What we say with our mouths, but he's not. And in chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says this, Do not speak evil of one another. Brethren, brothers and sisters, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who's able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Now we've recognized so far in the book of James that it's important to have godly wisdom. We recognize that there's a difference in knowledge and wisdom. Uh, wisdom is applying the knowledge that you have it's it's uh, it's learning from your mistakes it's it's growing Uh, do we not want to be wise in our Christian life and continue to grow as believers in Christ no one in here has it all figured out we're just fooling ourselves if we think we do no Christian has it all figured out no no church has it all figured out we are works in progress we are saved by the grace of God amen He keeps us saved. He's the one who does it, and I'm grateful for that. But as a believer, we need wisdom, and James is giving us that wisdom at the end of chapter 4 by reminding us of this. We are not God, and we don't have the authority to pass judgment on other people. Now, what do you mean, Brother Greg? Well, well, Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more with knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. He starts this uh, part of the chapter, closing out chapter 4, by saying, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother judges his brother. And we are reminded that God has a plan for our our mouth, our tongue, our testimony, our life, and that is to praise Him. Now here's where we get into trouble. The tongue that can praise the Lord on Sunday is the tongue that can bite a brother or sister in the back on Monday. And James is reminding us that criticism and malice and judgmental speech toward other people should not be so. And I want to remind us this morning that it's very easy to judge somebody and only know half of the story and to have half of the information. And, and a lot of times even the half we have may be incorrect. So we don't have the authority as a believer to run around and, and, and pound people with a hammer and feel like we somehow are pious and that we've got it all going in our own lives. I'll address that in just a few moments. How are we supposed to speak then as a believer? Look at chapter two of James and verse eight and you're gonna see uh, some words that you may not be familiar with, but in chapter two, verse eight, the Bible says, if you really fulfill, here it is, the royal law according to the scripture, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. Now, our theme here as a church is to love God, love people, serve people. Here's what I believe that means. When we love God more than anything, we're going to love people. You're going to love people even those that you disagree with. You're going to love people even those who maybe have made your life hard at a time. Now listen, I'm not saying you wanna marry that person, but I am saying that God will do something in your heart that you can't do yourself. Maybe something's happened in your life and you've said, I can, I'll never get over it, I can never forgive them for what they've done. That's probably true, you and I can't. But the Holy Spirit of God can do things even you and I can't imagine. And the power comes from God and not from us, and that will cause us to love people. When we love people, we'll want to serve people. I can tell you that Preble County is not impressed with a big building on the corner of a small town. They wanna know if the God we're worshiping this morning's real, and they're gonna be looking for him tomorrow morning when you hit the, the clock at work, or when you're talking to the neighbor when you get home this afternoon, or when you sit down at a restaurant today, or, or when you go to school tomorrow, or whatever, wherever the Lord takes you. They're gonna, know, they're gonna wonder if the God that you worship on Sunday, is he real? And one way people are gonna know that is by how you treat others, how you treat others. Um, Now, I have never been the biggest Tom Brady fan in the world, simply because he played football at Michigan. But I have learned one thing as a football fan watching all these years, you do not wanna root against Tom Brady because he will break your heart. One thing I've noticed about Tom Brady is he loves his kids. If you'll notice, after he won this Super Bowl and even in the playoff game, he walked over to the bleachers and told, you could hear it on, on the, like the video of it, he told the usher, I, uh, I want my boy to come here, I want my son to come here. And down the, the steps came his son and he embraced his son. I could tell that he loved his son. Folks, it's easy to love people that love you. But this morning, when we think about heading to the, the Lord's table, Jesus died whether you love Him or not. And His love for you doesn't waver based on your response to Him. God's nature never changes. And that's good news, isn't it, whether we're here or watching, that God loves me, and the good news is He loves me even if I've created a mess with my life, and He loves me even when I'm proud and think I've got it all together. God is a God of love, and when we love Him, He changes our hearts to love people. And the Bible says, James uses that term uh, in verse eight again. He says, the royal law. But this isn't the first place you hear it. As a matter of fact, you see it in Leviticus in the Old Testament, chapter 19, verse 18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. Who's James talking about, talking to in James four? Brothers and sisters in Christ but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the golden rule. That's that's what we teach kids in kindergarten, to treat people like you would want to be treated. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 19, honor your father and mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22 is that conversation with Jesus and the Bible says, Jesus says, on these two commandments you can hang all the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? It means that the first four commandments deal with your relationship with God, and the second six deal with your relationship with men. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible says in Mark's gospel, there's no other commandment greater than these. And even Paul wrote these words in Romans 13. For the commandments, you should not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this morning, the title of the message is Making Plans That May Never Happen. And folks, when you and I begin to factor in ourselves ahead of what God wants to do and what God's sovereignty is all about, there's a lot of things in life that you and I are worrying about this morning that that will not even happen. And here we sit, ate up and worried and anxious. Have you ever been awakened in the middle of the night or early morning and you wake up and worry is just permeating your whole soul and your conscience? Somebody say amen. I know what that's like and I also know what it's like to worry about things that never pass and I praise the Lord for his faithfulness and he said listen if you're going to help somebody else if you're going to recognize that you're not a judge in anybody's life you need to take a good look at your own heart this morning and that's what this passage is going to remind us of as we come to the, the communion the bread and the cup it's about examination mark your place right here if you will with me and let's go to Matthew's Gospel chapter 7 someone says Matthew 5, six, 7, I want you to think Sermon on the Mount Jesus is starting to wrap this sermon up this message up and in chapter 7 he gives us a reminder of how you love others as you love yourself verse 1 chapter 7 Jesus says judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let me ask you a quick question. Would you like people to treat you like you treat people? Now, I'd like to say yes, but to tell you the truth, there are, there are times when I, I, I fail a little bit of that test. When I, when I don't show grace that I should have shown. Or, or sympathy, or or make a statement like this. Well, they deserve that. Now, let me tell you what, what I deserve and what you deserve. It's a fiery hell because of our sin. And today, man, I love these songs. When we sing about the cross and the blood of Jesus, it's a reminder of the love of God and the fact that he paid the debt for us, amen? That's what Christianity is. It's receiving what Christ did on Calvary who would have ever thought folks who would have ever thought that we are right at a year when this whole thing took off a pandemic first time I heard that on television I had to look it up what does that mean a pandemic a worldwide epidemic that's not going to go away and here this is how naive I was a year ago I sure hope we can get back for Easter Sunday. (laughs) Do you remember that? Easter Sunday. My goodness, God had a different plan. And if anything, I believe he's called us to wake up and to recognize the blessings of God and not take things for granted that we've always taken for granted. One thing that I'm not going to take for granted anymore is a faithful church. Folks that, that, that show up. Because I can tell you, we know what it's like to preach in here with nobody. And it's a completely different, I shouldn't say feeling, we're going to preach the gospel. God's word is true, amen, it moves. But the fact that you're here, it's like I'm preaching to a bunch of cheerleaders for Jesus. That's the brethren that James is writing to. That's who he's talking about. And he said, now listen, be careful. Don't act like a judge. And and, and then Matthew, Jesus continues, verse 2, for the the measure you use to judge will be measured against you. And then verse 3, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? I don't know if this is, this is the Greg Jackson translation. Have you ever had a piece of sawdust in your eye? Raise your hand if you have. Or anything small. Have you ever had a two-by-four in your eye? No. Jesus is saying, hold it, hit the brakes, time out. Examine your life before you try to start fixing everybody else. And I tell you, I believe that's, that, that can be a problem in my Christian life. That can be a problem in our Christian life when we want everybody who comes to this church to look and act just like we do. Aren't you glad the Lord Jesus says, you share, you go fishing, I'll take care of the catch. And don't worry about cleaning the fish, I'll do that too. I'll do that too. Jesus said, be careful. How can you say, let me remove the speck when there is a plank in your own eye, and then here's the word, hypocrite. That's an old word. You don't hear it much. You know what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite is somebody that sits in here on Sunday and, and makes everybody think they're pious and loves Jesus. And you go to work tomorrow, talk like a sailor, do everything the lost world does. You have everybody confused on what Christianity is. A hypocrite means to play act. If you've ever seen the, the symbols for drama or a, a, a thespian club or something, you'll see two masks. So in essence, an actor is playing a role, right? You're really not that person. Renee said if I were to ever play a role, it should be Tim the toolman. <laughs> to play the role. So Jesus is saying, hold it. Don't act like you've got it all together when there is a plank in your own eye. I'm amazed how many times I go somewhere and somebody acts like uh, they want counsel or advice from Camden of what we're doing. And I'm thinking, my goodness, if you only knew how dysfunctional we are. Only by the grace of God. Amen, folks? By the grace of God. If you have your insert, I'm going to give you a few principles to take home with you. Here's the first one. When we speak against a brother, we're really becoming a judge. That's exactly what James is talking about. Go back to the book of James. What we're doing when we judge people is we're pushing them down in order to make ourselves look better. Um... You know, when you have a family picture and you've got grandsons at different ages, they all want to be taller than each other. So it's nothing to take a picture and see those grand boys of ours on their toes and uh, oh my goodness, I almost got a Charlie horse in my calf right then. You, you would think the Holy Spirit has got a hold of me, I can assure you if that happens. But what they're doing is, listen, trying to push each other down to, to be taller The Bible says in this text, there is only one lawgiver. His name is Jesus, who is able to save and destroy. And then he says, who are you to judge one another? Matthew 10, 28, the Bible says, do not fear those who can kill the body, but can't kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell that's the picture this morning as we think of communion it's the love of God who changed our lives and redeemed us from a sentence in hell to a home in heaven because of the goodness of God amen hey folks if I were not a Christian today I'd take a good look at that deal we're all about deals the greatest offer ever given was from the cross of Calvary and Jesus said, "You can live forever if you receive the gift. that's the goodness of God. man we're living in a day where everybody wants to quieten down the gospel and and, uh, and, and just not listen the old-time religion. You know you know that song? It's good enough for who? And if you recall the lyrics, it was good enough for my grandpa, my papa, my granny, and if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. I want to ask you this morning as a church, how's that working out for America? To just keep drifting further and further away from the things of God? How's taking prayer out of school enhanced the education life of a kid? You see, when you think about the love of God, when you think about the instructions of James, it's about loving people. And just as Paul writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God to salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. When your life has been changed by Christ, who are you, Romans 14, to judge another servant? Here's the good news about the lawgiver, the judge this morning. You and I make mistakes. He does not. God knows everything about you this morning, everything you've ever done, ever said, ever thought. God knows whether or not your, your salvation is real or if you're playing games. Now, he takes a turn in this passage. He teaches us when you speak against a brother you're really becoming a judge but he continues on now in this passage look at verse 13 come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city spend a year there buy and sell and make a profit make a profit number two in your outline there can be a tendency to plan life and not take God's will into account It's almost that that in this passage, he gets our attention about making sure that we're right with God. Quit judging everybody else. And then he says, even when it comes to your plans, make sure that you give your plans to the Lord. 365 days, 12 months, 52 weeks. Seven days a week, 24 hours, 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds. Everybody in this room has the same amount of time. We need to get over, I don't have time to serve the Lord. I don't have time to worship the Lord. I don't have time to read my Bible. Hey folks, I've got news for you. If you can check your Facebook 100 times a day, you've got time to read your Bible. It all comes down to preference and priority in your life. I'm not saying that stuff's bad. What I am saying is we're living in a culture that wants to remove you of everything that will help you grow in your faith and love God with all your heart and love people as yourself. So James says, it's easy to make plans without factoring in the hand of God. For instance... Look at look at text. Come now you who say this week or next month or this summer or later in the fall. That's not what my bible says. It says come now you who say today or tomorrow. Do you realize right now that you and I don't have a clue of what's going to happen when we walk outside the doors of this church? I mean, we may walk out and I walk out and get my car and somebody doesn't like me and they, they, they snipe me with a rifle from Fairhaven. Folks, I got news for you. God is the one who's in the future. He's already there. And when we worry about everything in the world, it robs us of today and what God has blessed us with today. Now, If you really want to calm down in this rapid changing world, just slow down and think of how much God loves you. The Bible says, for he careth for you, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you, and recognize that the world in which we live, look at verse 14, is brief whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor, a mist, a fog, that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. My dad is over 80, and I can remember when we celebrated his 30th birthday. Oh, man. I can remember some of those gifts for those special days when my dad was a young husband, and and I remember one of them was a Schofield Bible. Another was... uh, What every dad needs to have—a Zebco 33 fishing rod—and and you know, as a little boy, when you're able to give, you know, when you realize that your mom is actually buying the gifts for you to give him, man, I took ownership as a boy. And and I can remember, my dad was 30, now he's over 80, and I'm bearing down hard, fast lane to 60 life is a vapor you know these little babies that these new moms have in in church man they'll walk before long and and all of those hard months of having a little baby becomes a toddler that you gotta watch every single minute and then you begin to think about are they going to preschool and where they gonna go go And can I trust them and then they enter the school system or, or homeschool or whatever you decide And then they get into peer pressure of of, of getting older and things and sports or not or whatever. And then you start talking about driving a vehicle and braces or no braces and dating or no dating and getting out of school and college. I'm telling you, folks, would you agree with me this morning that life is at best brief? That's what the Bible says. We're living lives that are brief. Job paints the picture well. Do you remember Job? He hadn't done anything wrong. God gave him to the devil, said, you can do whatever you want to do to him, just don't kill him. And he loses everything he has. Loses his family. And Job says in Job chapter 7, oh, remember that my life is a breath. My eye will never again see good. That's why we woke up this morning and we're stiff, bones popping a little bit, right? Somebody say, "Amen." quit acting like you're all triathletes. You know what I'm saying. But you can think back to when you were young and you could run all day, play all day, and not even be sore the next day. My eyes will never again see good. That's what Job said you see things change but Jesus doesn't and that's the good news of the gospel life is, is brief and if we're going to serve the Lord if we're going to redeem this limited time uh, how do we begin that well first of all we need to be saved if we're lost so we're going to receive uh, communion in a moment who's that for that's for a born-again Christian has there been a time in your life when you have surrendered your heart to Jesus who else is it for? It's for, a, it's for a Christian who's right with God. That's what recommitment's all about. And, and we're, we're talking about next steps. For some of you, it may be to give your life to Christ. For some of you, it may be say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna wait in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get involved in a, a Bible group, a, a Sunday school class, or I'm going to follow in believer's baptism. Tina was baptized last week. I saw how it happened. I recognize I've never been baptized as a believer. I need to do that. Hey, let's, let's even get a little closer to home. Some of you just simply need to start tithing. Oh, Brother Greg, don't you say a word about that. Well, here's the word. I don't know who gives what in this church. All I know is Renee and I lead by example. I praise God we have a giving church, but I wonder what this church would look like if we all gave. The good news is, Jesus gave everything, amen, regardless of where we were, what we've done, regardless of our past. Uh, you uh, You know what I love about school these days? Whiteboards. How many of you never had a whiteboard growing up in your educational life? Everybody's hand that's up is old. I do remember getting to go Heather, do they still go to a certain room and clean erasers? No, they don't do that anymore? I remember getting to clean the erasers. Oh, what a thrill that was. Empty the pencil sharpener. Put on that safety patrol belt. Man, I thought I had authority when I wore that safety patrol belt. I was in the hallway once, and a boy named Bobby come running down the hall, and I had on my badge and my safety patrol belt, and I said, Bobby, you quit running. I grabbed his hand and he turned and hit me right in the jaw with his fist my aspirations for law enforcement went down that day folks listen to me it's natural to plan but there comes a point where you have to step in in correct order so Lord if it be your will we'll eat lunch somewhere after church if it be your will Tomorrow morning, if I wake up, I'll go to work. If it be your will, Lord, if you give me one more chance, I'll apologize or I'll give somebody forgiveness. If it be your will. The devil's a liar. He says you've got all kinds of time. You've got all kinds of time. But when I look at the bread and I look at the cup, I recognize that Jesus did not have all kinds of time. He died so that you and I could have hope. That's the good news of the gospel. He gives us a prescription. He tells us how to make plans. Give it to him. Give him my days, give him my actions, giving my meetings, giving my relationships. And when we don't, Scripture says, you're boasting as if you're arrogant, as if you are in charge. Number four as a believer planning without getting input from God can lead to all kinds of trouble it can lead to all kinds of trouble verses 15 through 17 instead you ought to say if the Lord wills we shall live and do this or that but now you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil therefore to him that knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin Number five, it's never wrong to do right. You know, when you tell the truth, you can have a short memory. The truth never changes. But the devil, who is a liar, doesn't tell us the truth. He doesn't tell us what's on the other end of making bad decisions. He doesn't take us to the hospital room uh, because we've been impaired and, and because of addiction. He doesn't go there. Why? Because he's a liar. Folks, listen to me. It's never wrong to do what is right. And for some of you here today, God is gently calling, softly and tenderly, and he's saying, listen, you're getting ready to see a picture of my love for you presented in a a, a wafer and juice, and it's my love for you on a cross, and I love you unconditionally, and I offer salvation as a free gift. All you have to do is receive it, and I ask you to return home if you're wondering the doors open we received a gift uh, a while back some of you probably have one it's a doorbell that knows if you're there or not and there's some different settings on it and one of the settings is movement and I was getting notified one right after the other and I thought boy there's never been, I've never noticed that much traffic at our house and what it was doing was picking up every car that was coming down Camden College Corner Road. And then I had to, to stipulate the filter, make it a little tighter, movement of a person. It, rec- it recognizes a person. The cross recognizes your greatest need, and that is for the Lord to be saved. You say, Greg, what do you mean, be saved? I'm I'm okay. I'm doing all right. Making a living. Got through this COVID. My family's healthy. I'm not talking about the temporary things of life. I'm talking about your soul. When you breathe your last breath, where are you going to go? Some people believe that's it. They call it annihilation or nihilism. That when a person is dead, you—that's it. They never existed. Oh no, that's not what this Bible says. This Bible says there's a place to spend forever at, heaven or hell. And the good news is, Jesus came. The cup and the bread are pictures of his love for us so that you don't have to go there. I want you to bow your head. Every head bowed, every eye closed.